Good afternoon and welcome to the LIG Marine Managers webinar on marine excess and umbrellas. I'm Rich Zolte, the LIG Director of Longshore Development, and I'd like to introduce our presenter today, Ken Baldwin. Today, Ken Baldwin. Ken is the Regional VP of Marine for Excel Insurance Group. He began his insurance career with Atlantic Mutual and moved to Travelers where he served in several executive positions before joining Excel in 2002. I'm sorry, 2012. Ken earned his Bachelor of Science degree in Marine Transatlantic. He also holds the AMIM and CPCU insurance designation. As a guest lecturer at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy and for the Certified Marine Insurance Professional Seminar Series, we are delighted to have Ken present this webinar. So with that, I'll turn it over to Ken. Thanks, Rich. So with that, I'll turn it over to Ken. Thanks, Rich. Can everybody see my screen? Rich? Yes, we're good. Okay, thank you. Yes. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm here to talk about uh, marine excess and bumper shoots. Um, so what are the difference between these forms? Following form excess, marine umbrella, bumper shoot, or as the Brits say, bumper shoot. Um, the answer is a lot of it depends upon the actual wording. You, you will find the titles of what they were intended to do. Um, a follow form excess is intended to do exactly what's underneath it and nothing broader. Uh, umbrella and bumper shoot means that the, the is supposed to be broader than even the underlying. So if there's a gap in the underlying coverage, a bumper shoot is to pick up the difference where that coverage is missing. However, many forms will not actually do that. Um, people use these terms interchangeably, and the only thing I would say is you really have to be careful because the title means nothing. You have to truly look at the actual coverage that the companies are. The title means nothing. You have to truly look at the actual coverage that the companies are providing to see which you actually have. So when can you use a bumper shoot? or a marine umbrella coverage. Um, most markets will only um, most markets will only write a bumper shoot or marine umbrella when it's concerned with traditional ocean marine risks. Um, you're insured if they're involved in these types of, of um, operations and businesses, you will uh, be very you know uh, policy for them over their primary coverages. Um, if you have a marine transportation risk, you know, a tug, a ferry, or something like that, that's a, a, a good risk that, you know, would be subject to a bumper shoot. Um, any kind of ship repairs, including subcontractors, the yards themselves, the, the, the shipyards, you know, working on small, you know, uh, personal vessels can get uh, these types of coverages. Boat builders, again, large and small, doesn't matter the size of, the, of what they're working on, you can get a bumper shoot for it. Anybody working in a terminal, stevedores, uh, terminal operators coverages you can get a bumper shoot for. You could get it over somebody who just owns a wharf and allows somebody to dock their vessels there. Boat dealers, marine contractors. Um, bumper shoot will also go over vessel pollution if you had QIS or safe harbor coverage or something like that. It would go over that cover too. Or your charter's liability or your vessel, that, that would be a, a 
a insured where the marketplace would certainly be willing to insure uh, on a bumper shoot form. Typical, uh, you know, most insureds, even if they are typically, a, even if they are typically a marine operation, will still have shoreside operations or um, non-marine exposures. Uh, typical rule of thumb is if 20% of the operation is non-marine. So if you have a shipyard that also does some, you know, non-marine. So if you have a shipyard that also does some, you know, welding uh, um, in, in some other format, uh, underwriters will typically be willing to do it if it's 20% uh, non-marine and 80% marine. Um, Marketplace though is changing. Sometimes you'll see see 70-30. A lot depends upon how hazardous the non-marine operation is, and if there's a lot of non-marine, you know, towards the 70-30 or more percentage non-marine, um, typically the price may go up. And also, you know, it depends too on how it is and what the underwriter's appetite and did they get yelled at for new business production uh, last week. Uh, they may, you know, violate some of those rules. Um, it's typically measured on revenues in, in the 80-20 the rule or 70-30 rule. But there are some things where a marine underwriter just won't do. Uh, you know, if it's a but there are some things where a marine underwriter just won't do. Uh, you know, if it's a really hazardous operation, someone who's repairing airplanes or something like that, um, they just typically won't do a bumper shoot, even if it's a small percentage of the risk, uh, because they're not experts in this area, and uh, you know, uh, no the uh, non-marine features in these kind of exposures would make it such that the underwriter would be hesitant to even get involved with it. But like I said, typical 80, 20, 70, 30 is, is what you will see unless you have these high hazard operations. Okay, how can your account, we're going to get into that. So this is a, a picture of a properly placed bumper shoot. Um, you have uh, all your underlying coverages there. You have a general liability or maybe a marine general liability taking care of the, uh, the GL exposures and, and products complete products completed operations, his prem ops, all those things. Um, then if he has any auto coverage, you're, you're also going to have that underneath it. Uh, your employer's liability and then any marine liabilities, be it a ship repairs legal liability, those care custody control coverages, you know, ship repairs legal liability, those care custody control coverages, you know, terminal ops, uh, ship repairers, warfringers, marina operators that make it a marine risk where you could write the marine general liability. Um, this is the way it should look. One of the things I always point out in this diagram should look one of the things I always point out in this diagram is note that there are little holes between the boxes and the umbrella on the bumper shoot. Those little holes are what makes you the need for that true bumper shoot. You may have something that falls between the cracks between that marine lie picked on up. If you have a true bumper shoot, it should be broader than your primary coverages. Um, and I'll actually go through a couple of ones I know about later in the presentation. But this is what makes it a true bumper shoot versus just a marine excess. If you have a marine excess, it's fine, 
but just know though that you're not providing the broadest cover on many markets that write true bumper shoot coverages. So you should look to make sure that you try to have this if, if you can. So what can be underlying coverages? Um, and typically underwriters want to see you know minimum limits of claims. They're going to have severe claims, but not necessarily frequency. So the typical coverages that you will see as underlying in, in a bumper shoot are marine general liability, of course, you know, your bodily injury, your property damage coverage, uh, you know, that you should have for all your insureds. Unless it's a high hazard operation or something, you, you can get away with your standard one million per occurrence, two million dollars per aggregate in, in, your, in your limits of liability um, as you're underlying. Uh, commercial auto gets a little bit trickier. Marine underwriters typically don't make great auto underwriters. Uh, they're just not underwriters typically don't make great auto underwriters. Uh, they're just not really sure about it. So you will see if their exposure is is innocuous, you know, um, they just require a million dollars underneath it. But sometimes if you have a heavy exposure, you know, you have uh, some long haul trucking in there. Sometimes if you have a heavy exposure, you know, you have uh, some long haul trucking in there, or a greater percentage of the underlying risk is auto, they may require higher than just a plain old $1 million limit. I've seen where an insured has some really heavy duty um, long haul trucking exposure and, you know, the right it, but the underlying, you have to go get an excess auto coverage and, and we're not going to go over it until we have $5 million underneath you. Uh, your monoline marine liabilities typically will be a, a million dollars on your underlying. That's your ship repairs, your warfingers, you know, your terminal operators coverage. Operators coverage. Um, owned aircraft liability is typically excluded by a bumper shoot, but sometimes if there is a private airplane, you know, uh, uh, the president of the company uh, has his, uh, his, then he flies it around to his different locations. That can even be that can even be uh, scheduled underneath your bumper shoot. However, typically underwriters won't do that until the underlying aircraft liability is something like 25 million or even 50 million, and they typically won't do it unless it's a smaller aircraft with less passengers. Um, underneath your work comp policy, where if it, an employee sues the employer for something other than work comp. There's only a few times where that can happen, uh, but it's actually in the comp policy, but it's a separate coverage. Most underwriters that I see uh, either require a $500,000 limit or a few claims happen there, but you know you still want that underlying coverage to be uh, you know, not just straight into your bumper chute. Um, P&I, Maritime Employers Liability, where you have uh, crew coverage or your vessel liability. Typically, you can also ha have an underlying of a million dollars there. Anything from a million to five million dollars as the underlying uh, limits. It depends upon what your pollution market is willing to provide. Typically, if it's a very small vessel, you know, something like a little workboat, um, they'll only provide a million dollars for you, and you, bumper shoot underwriters don't have a trouble going over that. However, if you have somebody, you know, over that. However, if you have somebody, you know, with a real exposure, you, you have, you know, a, any kind of significant amounts of fuel oil on it, um, or uh, if you're carrying oil, the vessel pollution liability, most underwriters will look for $5 million underneath it. 
Um, Self-insured retentions. Self um, Self-insured retentions. Self-insured retention is the amount that the insured, if there is a gap in between the underlying coverages, will absorb before the bumper shoot comes into play. Um, so what happens comes into play. Um, so what happens is, let's say you know there is that little gap between uh, the the MGL and the ship repairers, and somehow some coverage is not picked up in an underlying policy. A true bumper shoot policy will drop down and cover that. Ethical self-insured retention is $25,000, meaning that the insured is actually going to have to take that out of his pocket and, and pay for it himself, kind of like a deductible. Um, however, for very small risks, I've seen people do even $10,000 and everywhere in between. Um, one real sensation in USL and H are not part of a bumper shoot underlying coverage. The reason for that is because on a work comp or USLNH, there is no limit on it. It's statutory benefits and therefore the policy should not run out. Policy should not run out. However, you will find that the employer's liability section, which I've said is appropriate to put underneath that, which does have limits, uh, will be underneath the bumper shoot. But work comp and USLNA should never be scheduled because it creates an ambiguity um, for any any type of coverage that the full any type of coverage that the full worker that's in you know full benefit of a worker who's injured should be going into the compensation uh, pool. Um, however, the MEL or EL can be scheduled as those are true uh, liability coverages with with limits on them. Um, listed underneath there, you should really uh, you know carefully evaluate them and see whether it's a proper uh, proper underlying coverage to put into a bumper shoot. So how should your bumper shoot look? Um, here, here's I had the nice diagram look. Um, here, here's I had the nice diagram there that you know had the one umbrella over all of your underlying coverages. However, that was only one layer of a bumper shoot. Um, sometimes you'll have different layers placed with different markets. So here on this slide here, if you can all see your auto, your employer's liability, the P&I, and the vessel pollution, and then the bumper shoot is a 4X01 where you're picking up that extra limit. However, the insured wants even higher limits. Well, then what you would do is put a following form excess over the bumper shoot. Um, so, in this, um, so in this case, the insured would have a total of $25 million in coverage. And people structure it in, in the ways that it makes it most efficient. Um, different underwriters have different uh, points where their pricing goes down. And that, as a, you know, if you're a broker out there, you have to decide where that is and try to work with the markets, decide where that is and try to work with the markets to find the, the most effective and, and efficient way to do it. However, this slide tells you the exact wrong thing to do when you structure your bumper shoot policies. Um, you should never have a bumper shoot over there's gaps. And yes, the third bumper shoot may pick up the gap between the second and first, but then you're out of limits. Um, you really should have them all match. Uh, here is the proper way of having it happen. 
So your bumper shoot is all encompassing. Um, you uh, market. One of the tricks is to find the best bumper shoot form out there and then make sure that bottom layer has that form. Um, because that way, if you're doing the American Institute following form marine liability clauses above the bumper shoot, over a very broad above the bumper shoot, over a very broad bumper shoot, you get the best of both worlds. You get that really good form all the way through all of the layers with no gaps. Um, you also get very few people fighting about who's handling the claim because it flows right on fighting about who's handling the claim because it flows right on up. So if possible, like I said, get that really good form on the bottom layer. Um, that, that's the best way to do it and that way your, your structure of your coverages is the same all through the different layers. Okay. So uh, what does a bumper shoot coverage form look like then? So I've taken, uh, actually, uh, this is one of my competitors' forms. And it kind of gives you an idea of, of uh, the, the insuring agreement, the basic coverage uh, that we have listed in the deck page, you know, be it a terminal or something like that. And we're going to cover all P&I risks that is uh, listed in the underlying policy, you know, the underlying P&I policy, or which are undertaken conditionally or absolutely by the UK mutuals. He's ever read those rules for the UK club, uh, steamship. They are extremely broad. Um, so in a bumper shoot, you actually may have a P&I cover that is broader than your underlying uh, coverage if you have a true bumper shoot. Your, your standard, you know, uh, if you have a true bumper shoot, your, your standard, you know, uh, regular market P&I may not be as broad as those UK club rules, and as a result, you're getting broader coverage in the bumper shoot then, even if you don't have it on your primary P&I. Uh, you're also the average collision, salvage, sue and labor from whatever cause whatsoever. I always like to uh, point out to people that are bumper shoot underwriters that they're covering ocean cargo coverage. And they look at me kind of strange and say, no, we're not. And then I point out, you're covering general average. And you say vessel general average, that's certainly the vast majority of the exposure. And if an insured actually has a cargo exposure, you're probably better off getting the cargo policy. But you're actually dropping down and covering general average on a primary basis if your insured does not have cargo coverage underneath this bumper shoot to cover. So all sums in the insured comes as damages of personal injury. So in personal injury, uh, everyone knows is bodily injury plus some of the libel and slander coverages, things like that, that are there. Um, so it's pretty broad. It's not just bodily injury in most forms. And of course, including death. And then not just bodily injury in most forms. And of course, including death. And then property damage. Um, I'll tell you that what you want to see as regards for that property damage uh, definition in your policy is something to the effect of the same as what you want to see in your, your GL coverage, which is property damage is same as what you want to see in your, your GL coverage, which is property damage is property damage that you know, you're insured as legal liable. And 
business income loss that they're liable for, that they that they have had property damage, even if the item that they had in their care, custody, and control was not damaged. Things like, um, I've seen there was one case where a, a vessel was coming out of a shipyard and got stuck. There was no damage to the vessel, but there was a loss of income from the vessel operator because he had to get it out of the marine railway. Um, it took him a while to get it out of there. He lost income. It, property damage to cover those exposures. You want the definition of that to be very broad. Um, you will also notice that the last clause of this says that these accidents or, or events ha can be caused out of any occurrence happening anywhere in the world. This is much broader than there on a primary basis um, in most cases. Most GLs cover, you know, worldwide claims if suits are brought in the U.S. or some cover uh, claims that happen on a vessel in international waters. Uh, this says we're covering it anywhere, uh, regardless of what in the waters. Uh, this says we're covering it anywhere, uh, regardless of where the claim is brought. So if you had a GL, an MGL policy and your insured is repairing a vessel in Japan and damages the vessel and the vessel owner sues the company in Japan, the bumper shoot drops down. It covers that gap in the MGL policy that says worldwide suits but US, I mean worldwide events but US suits. This would go in and, and actually cover that then because it says that any kind of bodily injury property damage happening anywhere in the world doesn't require that the suit be brought back to the US. Okay, so bumper shoot, what's covered? Well, we're excess of all those underlying schedule policies I, I mentioned, and then any uninsured losses like I was describing with you know the territorial limits, excess of that SIR. Um, in the S in 10,000, 50,000 maybe, but uh, very, very important coverage that you want to make sure you have a true bumper shoot form um, and you want to see that uh, the SIR is, is in there and that the policy will cover stuff that is not covered in the underlying policies. So what's not covered? Well, policies injury or property damage. Um, examples, you know, your own property, DNO, things like that. Um, they're not covered in a bumper shoot policy. And again, a statutory work comp USLNH policy should not be in a bumper shoot because, again, there's no need for them to be because it is a, a bumper shoot because, again, there's no need for them to be because it is, a, is covered a unlimited in your work comp. Typical bumper shoot structure. Is you'll have an insuring agreement there that goes through all the coverages. The slide, the start of a basic coverage gives you an idea of what that should be. Your limits of liability, uh, how those limits are structured, um, you know, uh, would be in, in the basic wording of the policy. Uh, your insured outlines who is your insured. Um, you want to see something in a policy that says want to see something in a policy that says exactly you know that any subsidiaries are covered or something like that or name all the insureds that you have name all the various subsidiaries. Uh, the general conditions will show you cancellation clauses. Um, what happens in the event of an insolvency of one of the underlying of an insolvency of one of the underlying insureds uh, insurers? Typically, that is not picked up and, and is not covered uh, by the bumper shoot underwriter. 
because it's not necessarily a drop-down provision. Um, how you treat additional insureds, do you follow the underlying policy or do you need an additional insured uh, on this policy too? Um, that's important because nowadays there's so many contracts going around that uh, you know you're insured if they're doing work for other people are going to have lots of additional insured requests. So you you want to try to get blanket additional insured in there to prevent the extra work from happening. Uh, you want to try to get blanket additional insured in there to prevent the extra work from happening. Um, you're going to have a lot of definitions. The bodily injury, you want to make sure the bodily injury definition not only includes bodily injury, but all those mental anguish things that your insured is going to get sued for. Anytime there's a bodily injury, you know, smart lawyers say, you know, wish loss of consortium. Um, you want to make sure that bodily injury definition is broad and all-encompassing. Property damage, I talked about that, where it's not just the property damage, but it's the loss of use in the event of occurrence. So there's an occurrence that happens, but the property is not damaged itself, but you can't be utilized, so you to include that. Uh, and then your definition of occurrence should be in there, again, giving exactly what you're covering. Then there's two types of exclusions. You typically have a, a, a general or absolute exclusion, which is not covered, not covered, not covered uh, by the bumper shoot policy, and then conditional exclusions. What a conditional exclusion is, is if it's covered in the primary, it's also covered in the bumper shoot. So um, there are certain exposures that an underwriter wants to know about, and he wants to make sure that the underlying coverage is in effect, or that the underlying coverage is in effect, um, and that he has coverage underneath him. Uh, typical conditional exclusions will be uh, stuff like automobiles. So if you have auto coverage underneath it, you schedule it in the policy, it's covered. But if you didn't have auto coverage, it would be excluded. A lot of times uh, p and is, is handled that way, that um, it, it is excluded unless you have it listed in your underlying coverage because the bumper shoot underwriter does not want to be covering primary p and if there's a known exposure or any exposure if it's a known exposure. Ship repairs liability, the Warfinger's coverage, the terminal operators will actually be a conditional exclusion in many of your bumper shoots because, again, they want to know that if you have that exposure, your insured has that exposure, that it's properly covered and that they're only going to get the excess claims in there. Okay. Okay. So, some, so limits of liability. This is a typical wording and is the better wording that I've seen in the marketplace. It says, if the underlying is subject to an annual aggregate, then the policy is also subject to an annual, an annual aggregate, then the policy is also subject to an annual aggregate. The flip side is, if the, if the underlying is not subject to an, an, underlying, an aggregate, then the bumper shoot is not subject to an aggregate for those exposures. For example, if you have an MGL, it's typically a million dollars. If you have an MGL, it's typically a million dollars per occurrence, two million dollars, uh, you know, uh, annual. Then your bumper shoot would also be subject to an annual aggregate limit for any of those exposures covered by that primary MGL. However, if you had an insured who had an MGL with an aggregate limit and then a P&I, which is a per occurrence bumper shoot, is not subject to an aggregate because the underlying is always there. 
Um, that it, we, the bumper shoot will follow the, the way they address the exposures the same as the underlying policy. No underlying aggregate, no, underly, no aggregate in the bumper shoot. If there's an a, annual aggregate you want to watch out for is, so what happens if the underlying aggregate is reduced or exhausted? This wording is exactly the way you want it. It says, this policy shall apply in excess of a reduced underlying limit, or if the limit is exhausted as underlying insurance. Um, so if your your insured has ex so if your your insured has exhausted his primary MGL limits, you that's the time he really needs the you know m more coverage. And wording like this says we're dropping down, and after an SIR for each occurrence. We're going to cover that insured who's now has no no primary primary GL policy still in place because the limits were exhausted. That's the kind of wording you want because it protecting your insured in the event that that GL policy is totally eroded. Um, I will tell you that's not always the case. In fact, uh, on the next slide, you'll see that I've seen. This says in the event of reduction or exhaustion, the aggregate limits on the underlying policies because a loss is paid, you can make every reasonable effort to have the underlying policy reinstated or replaced in full, notwithstanding anything contained to the contrary. Well, I'm not quite sure what that means because to the contrary. Well, I'm not quite sure what that means because what happens if they don't make every effort to have it replaced. Does that mean that your bumper shoot is not going to cover that claim on a primary basis? Um, the reason you have, and if the underlying limits are exhausted, um, you know this is when the insured needs that coverage the most. Um, I, I also, if you truly look at the wording, every time you're insured has a ten thousand dollar occurrence, he's supposed to go and get that aggregate limit reinstated. Well, that's almost impossible to claim if you ran to the underwriter and asked to buy, you know, the reinstated limits. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how this would operate, and I, if you see this in policies, I would try to, you know, have an, a, another underwriter write the risk or have them change this wording. So, we talked about you know the difference in absolute exclusions and then conditional exclusions. The conditional exclusions again are it's covered if there's underlying coverage, but what are the, if there's underlying coverage? But what are the absolute exclusions? Um, these are some of the very common absolute exclusions that a bumper shoot just is not going to cover, mainly because either it's it's uh, very very uh, you know. Uh, um, Dangerous to cover, or it's not really the uh, um, dangerous to cover, or it's not really the subject of a marine underwriter's uh, knowledge. It's uh, got specialty coverage in place. Uh, breach of fiduciary duty is typically a, an absolute exclusion. Uh, you know, discrimination in, in, from employment practices and uh, sexual discrimination and things like that. But workers' comp again is not supposed to be here in this policy because the limits are are are. Uh, uh, there's no limit in the policy you know, in an underlying work comp. Um, so, so a lot of times you'll see that excluded USLNH also. Fraud, infidelity, dishonest and criminal acts of an insured are, are typically an acts of an insured are, are typically an absolute exclusion. 
occupational diseases. Um, you know, uh, things like asbestosis are typically excluded from most bumper shoot policies. Fines, penalties, and punitive damages are another common absolute exclusion. Pollution, however, pollution, however, um, while it's an absolute exclusion down here, and you'll find that in, in many cases, you will find that many bumper shoots provide uh, excess over a sudden and accidental type pollution and uh, very common to see. So while it's listed here as an absolute exclusion, and that is typically where you'll endorsement saying, but we do cover excess of a sudden and accidental on a following form basis. And then war risk is typically an absolute exclusion underneath a bumper shoot. Here's other absolute exclusions I will warn you about and then tell you to watch for. Um, this one says, uh, and I spelled excluded wrong, I apologize. In a policy listed in the schedule of underlying, it's also excluded here. Unless some coverage is provided elsewhere in a policy listed in the schedule of underlying insurances. So what this is saying is there's exclusions in, in the policy that's excluded in the policy, in a primary policy, unless you have coverage for it, is excluded in this policy which to me is, is kind of crazy because I don't even necessarily know what, as a bumper shoot underwriter, have I seen all of the primary policies. So you might be excluding things that you actually want to pick up with this wording, things that you actually want to pick up with this wording. And then the other dangerous one, which is really bad, is I've seen in many markets, is any exclusion in an underlying policy is also an exclusion in this policy. Again, so the underwriter in a, on, a, on a bumper shoot with this wording has exclusions in his policy that he doesn't even know exists. Shoot with this wording has exclusions in his policy that he doesn't even know exists. Seems crazy to me, but I've seen very many markets use that exact wording in a policy. Um, so conditional exclusions. So conditional exclusions are the so conditional exclusions are there to make sure that if there's a known exposure for someone that they have, that they get it covered. For instance, if you have somebody doing ship repair work, the bumper shoot underwriter wants you to have that primary coverage in place. Uh, crew coverage, you know, Jones Act coverage, uh, you know, lots of claims to it. So they want to make sure that if they're picking up those claims, that there's at least that primary million dollars underneath them. Products liability, same thing. Auto, same thing. And you will see uh, some policies have a total care custody control conditional exclusion saying any excess basis unless you have that underlying coverage underneath us. These are conditional exclusions though, so once you buy that underlying policy, the, it becomes a following form excess over these exposures. So, drop-down stuff. So, when can a bumper shoot, remember I told you, I, I showed you those spots where the bumper shoot could actually be broader. And people challenge me and say, come on, Ken, there's no place where a bumper shoot is really that much broader. You guys have so many exclusions in those bumper shoots that, you know, shoots that, you know you're not going to pick up anything. Well, as I said in, in the, in, when I was reading the, the, uh, the coverage form, Bumper shoots are typically worldwide. So again, if you had that claim that was overseas and in an overseas court, the bumper shoot would drop down. And then there's things that are not covered but not excluded. 
Um, what, what is this? Um, I came up with a couple of ones, but I've forgotten what they were. They're not all that common, but you still want to have that, make sure you have that broad bumper shoot, a true bumper shoot versus a following form marine excess. Bumper shoot, a true bumper shoot versus a following form marine excess. Um, they're rare, but not impossible. And, you know, the price differential between getting uh, the best forms out there and, and getting, you know, something that has holes in it are not all that great, especially if, you know, you, you structure it and layer it in such a manner so that the person... Okay. Well, what other considerations should you have when you're placing bumper shoot coverages? Um, Besides, obviously, the price and, you know, the, the form and, uh, and things like that. Uh, well, claims. If you, have, if you have a bumper shoot policy or the excess and you have it on a subscription basis, does the policy have a follow the leader clause? I, I'm horrified sometimes when I'm on a slip and there is no follow the leader clause, which means everybody on that slip could take a different position on a claim position on a claim. You really do, even as an underwriter, want it to have a follow the leader clause because you want all of the markets to be in step and, and to be handling that claim, you know, with a good leader who has a good claims department. Uh, you, you really want to not have people taking different standpoints. You don't want multiple underwriters sending surveyors out there. You want the leader sending out a good qualified surveyor and then the claim to be handled promptly and properly, um, especially in a bumper shoot or an excess policy because that's typically when the claim is really bad. Um, bumper shoot being standalone coverage, um, you may have investigation that's needed. So, you know, you, you make sure again that you have an under uh, claims department that really knows what they're doing and, and can handle that claim after the primary underwriter is out. You also have it that a primary underwriter is out. You also have it that it could be a drop down provision. So if, if you have a, a claim that's not covered by the primary, you know, uh, underwriter it, because it falls between those true gaps, do you have a claims department that can handle those kind of claims and, and those?